Welcome to the Financial Life Podcast with me, Ben Robel. This is episode 12. Thanks for tuning in. We've been working this week on a budgeting framework to help us think about the right platform for either replacing Mint, if we're currently users of it, or to find a new platform that would be helpful to us if we've never done something like this before. But before we dig into part three of this conversation, I'd like to clarify that, particularly after the last episode we recorded, I'm not making any recommendations for taking on debt or doing anything else. My personal view is that most people don't have the time or the need to accumulate a great deal of expertise in financial services or financial products, and that financial literacy sounds like a good idea, but is also not as easy to get as people may think. What I think most people need in their life to make good financial decisions is context. And it's one of the things that I think is missing from the world. I'm always surprised to see people on social media and television and radio talking about what people, quote, should be doing when you don't know them and they don't know you. But let's get back to our own conversation. So here in part three, let's talk about what we've done so far. We've established the relationship between the budgeting equation, income minus spending is either a positive or negative result, and we've tied that to the underlying structure of the balance sheet. But also it's worth noting that if you don't have assets, you don't need to get insurance to protect them. If you don't have a meaningful surplus, it is difficult to give money away. Essentially, you're working on a limited number of options until you can start with the basics, which is to accumulate wealth assets beyond the expenses and possessions that get you through your daily life. For example, to get through life comfortably, our synthetic character, who we created two episodes ago, is and who is starting from zero, will probably start to accumulate basic possessions first, which is what we all do. This could include clothing, a cell phone, a bed to sleep in, pots and pans for the kitchen, sheets and pillows, etc. But every dollar that is spent on pure expenses or bills like rent or internet access would be considered spending in this framework, as is every dollar that is used to acquire a possession. And as these expenses grow and they are added to the basic ones that were already in the spending number, like clothing and food and shelter, they tilt the result of the budgeting equation more toward a potential negative result, because in the short term, compensation at any given job is usually pretty fixed. From a budgeting perspective, and in a perfect world, our character does not save much or invest until there is a consistent and reliable surplus generated by the budgeting equation. So this is called solvency in finance, and it represents the ability to pay your debts over time, or in this case, to avoid accumulating debts against, against pure spending. But most of us have experienced that unexpected expense that seems to land at the absolute worst time and that can create problems for even the most responsible people among us. An inability to meet an expense like this has a different name, and it's called being illiquid. So you can be solvent, have a good job, have the prospects of accumulating wealth and cash and investments and everything else, but you can have an unexpected expense come up and have a liquidity problem. This is essentially what happened to the entire banking sector during the 2008 financial crisis. 
This is the moment when debt, particularly installment debt, like installment payments, credit card debt, or other forms of quickly available debt, like payday loans and car title loans, can enter the lives of even the most conservative people. The additional costs associated with these debts can further tilt the result of the budgeting equation toward a potentially negative result. And so you can see the genesis of the treadmill of debt that can trap so many people. As an example, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau estimates that 12 million Americans take out a payday loan every year and spend $9 billion on loan fees. These concepts are all well and good for our synthetic character, who doesn't exist and can't exist. But I think it's important to make this more realistic for us, the real human beings in the real world. What have we learned so far? A framework like this is based on math, not complicated math, just arithmetic, plus and minus. But that math makes its conclusions easy to understand, but hard to hide from. So a tool for someone who's using these concepts would need to be able to track the inputs to the budgeting equation alongside the assets and debts that are accumulated on the balance sheet. It would be helpful if it could also categorize spending into not only what kind of organization and expense type something is, but also to identify how it relates to either spending, the purchase of possessions, the purchase of assets, or one of the other possible options that are available to us. Importantly, it would be great if it could help us understand the impact of something before we do it. This conversation should highlight the idea that these are interactive topics, and when you change one thing, the others change as well. Understanding how that would work and its impact on our overall financial life before we make a decision and take action would be valuable. We'll continue into part four later this week and discuss a few more concepts that will be useful for this budgeting conversation. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.